Acts of the Blood God. <laughs>Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. With me today is my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Pika Pika. And yes, uh, Nadia's little Pika Pika is thematically appropriate because this week is going to be all about Pokemon with a little side helping of discussion about the Conan's clueless gamer about Final Fantasy XV. Oh boy. And also the Persona 5 delay. And we will read a couple of your emails in which you suggest RPG villains that we should be playing as. So let's get right down to it. Nadia, get it off your chest. Mm. I know that you have ranting to do about Conan's uh, (laughs) Clueless Gamer segment about Final Fantasy XV. So let's just do it. Uh, Go. This is where I disappoint you because it's not really ranting. It's more like disappointment. Um because for those of you who didn't see the Clueless Gamer segment, it's just basically him and Elijah Wood, funnily enough, playing Final Fantasy XV and just ranting about how slow it is and how there's too much talking. And here's the thing. I got into RPGs, etc., because they are kind of slow and there is a lot of talking. And so when I heard, when you know, when I would say to people back then, oh, I like RPGs, they'd be like, oh, there's too much talking. Why do you like RPGs? So to hear this all over again, in 2000 bloody 16, it's like... <laughs> You know what? Like that's like saying, "Hey, look at these sports games. These people are throwing around a ball. What's going on, man? This is so lame." And the thing that really disappoints me is that I don't know. I find the clueless gamer segments in general really go for the low-hanging fruit because Conan's obviously not a stupid guy. He's written some of the most brilliant stuff for television ever. He wrote Marge vs. the Monorail. That's one of the best Simpsons episode, if not one of the best things ever written for TV. Period. And he's just just all of his clueless gamer segments are like oh, this is dumb, this is dumb, haha, this is funny because they reference sex, and that's about it. I'll be honest, I haven't watched much of these segments since, uh, I think, God, Witcher 3, but um, yeah, I just don't think they're that funny. I I find them more uncomfortable than anything. Um, I know people say don't take it so seriously, and I try not to, but it's just so lame. (laughs) (laughs) So here's my counterpoint. Counterpoint. Um... If you, like, step out of the bubble for a second, you do kind of realize that maybe games are a little bit silly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. At I times. That. And it is worth poking fun at the fact that a bunch of guys in, like, leather <laughs> are, running around the desert. are tromping around the desert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hunting for stuff. So, uh, or, oh, and the bit where they were, like, all the boys were, like, oh, my God. Let's go check out her dress. Holy crap, look at that dress. <laughs> oh, and that he's like, so cute, though. He's like, what universe am I in? But, uh, yeah, uh, I-, I totally agree. Games are uh, games are a little silly. Games are a little stupid, especially, you know, Final Fantasy has been ridiculous since the be- beginning of time. But Conan, oh, yeah. Conan can do better. That's my main mm. takeaway from this. He really can do better because these are jokes I heard in 95. Come on. Yeah, no, I I think it kind of speaks to how impenetrable gaming is to a lot of people, which is really too bad. Mm -hmm. And I actually wrote an article today about why I kind of feel like the NES Classic was always going to be a hit. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, that, that confluence of nostalgia and like Nintendo's like really strong brand and the fact that it came out at a very specific time. And so many people played the NES growing yes. up. Yes. Um, 
But more importantly, perhaps, it's just something you plug in, you turn it on, and you got 30 games, and they're just right there, right? And I was listening to a podcast, it was a sports podcast, and the host was like, oh, yeah, I'm like super pumped to get an NES Classic, and I like, I'm going to play with my kids, Mm -hmm. and you know, it's not like, you know, like games today, it's not, you don't have to, it's not like landing a freaking airplane to play it, it's got four (laughs) plays in Tecmo Bowl, I mean, I can do, my son can handle that, and I'm just like, there it is right there, that's why 8-bit games struck a chord, and I'm not saying that complex games are bad, and uh, if anything, like, I want game. I love complicated design, I I love really thoughtful, smart, interesting games, and as games get more realistic, they're always going to be more complex, and RPGs the most, like, more so than ever, but I think that there is a certain alienation going on, Mm -hmm. and clueless gamer kind of speaks to that right yeah i can agree with that uh like i said my like if you when you take when you say to me games are silly oh yeah i have no problem acknowledging that and i think problems happen when people really kind of get uh, super defensive about games but um you know make it funny (laughs) (laughs) you know when i was watching that segment i actually was almost literally sliding under my desk just like going oh god that kind of secondary embarrassment thing it's like going, it's like showing one of your favorite, very favorite things to somebody uh-huh. and they just like sit there and like poke fun of it at it for the like next hour or so. Well, it's like, um, I, I've actually had that experience before with anime when, um, do you remember Sailor Moon, that episode where Netflight died? Um, no. Oh, okay. Well, and Sailor Moon being Sailor Moon is super anime and Netflight is like this bad guy who turns good and he falls in love with a human. And he gets mm. killed for his betrayal. And I'm like, that's so sad. And I tried to get a friend to watch it. And she's like, this is so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. It is kind of stupid. But I like it. Yeah, I have a couple friends. Uh, and we watch TV shows together sometimes. And I was like, hey, let's watch Babylon 5. Oh, it's boy. this wonderful, underappreciated sci-fi series from the 90s so good it has like so many like complicated themes and stuff and so we start in on it and the and they're like whoa whoa this is 90s as <laughs> what is going on with that hair oh my god what is with this dialogue oh my god it is so cheesy and that's what it was and to their credit they're my friends mm-hmm. they stuck with me for five freaking seasons of this oh, wow good for them yeah good for them Good for them, but by the end, like I was like a basket case because all they could do <laughs> was out. poke fun at how freaking cheesy it was, and you know, uh, it it was tough. Mm-hmm. And uh, in some ways, that that's kind of how it is for like games. Like I, I acknowledge that yes, Final Fantasy fifteen is kind of deeply silly, but when an outsider comes in and goes, "Man, this, this is hilariously dumb," I'm like, "Hey, stop that! That's my game." <laughs> you hit them with a stick. I like that thing. Don't yeah. you appreciate like how deep the mechanics are and like the the, the interesting open world and uh, it's a classic. Shut up. There was actually uh, one of my favorite stories, and I've told this a million times. I'm sorry if you've heard it, but uh, I was actually playing Street Fighter Two for the SNES way back in the day. And have you ever seen Guile's ending for that game? Um, uh, well, I remember the ending from Super Street Fighter yeah, Two, where he like goes to the uh, Charlie's grave and he has like the the dog tags and stuff. 
uh, that was like I think that was like the ending shot. But uh, basically, the ending narrative is uh, his wife and his his daughter are reunited with him, and it's you know supposed to be very touching, and it is kind of touching. But my mm. older brother's watching this with me, and he's like, "This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen." Capcom probably sat around and said, "What's the dumbest ending we can come up with?" Then he was going on about <laughs> how Guile has his dog, like he's like sitting in this idyllic family situation. And my brother's like, "He should Sonic Boom that dog." <laughs> I mean, it's not any dumber than the end of Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, where you listen to the tapes of all of your one-dimensional comrades who didn't make it. Oh. Here are their final stories. I mean... That sounds uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, if anything, I would almost take the Street Fighter 2 ending. Yeah, so would I. It was kind of sweet. Even though you, you're kind of looking at this and you're like, okay, this is very sweet, but Guile's hair is stupid. <laughs> so it's but just... Street Fighter 2 also had the ending where Zangief is doing the Russian dance with uh, Gorbachev. That was a classic. That was 100% yes. a classic. And yes, When happened. I beat that on the Super NES and I saw that ending, I was like, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> we need, amazing, we need to do though. a whole uh, episode about RPG endings someday and just game oh, endings. Man. That would be fun. Oh, yeah. Like, spoiler alert. Yeah. Like, the ultimate RPG ending like discussion. Yeah. All right, like throw that on the pile. Okay, we got it on um, the pile. We've got a list of like episode ideas for a rainy day that I occasionally break out when it's like, oh wow, there's like literally no news and mm-hmm. there's like no new games coming out. So let's have an interesting in-depth discussion, which we will probably have in January because oh my god, like Persona Five was delayed. Persona into Five April. Was Yes, it was. Oh my goodness. And I guess that's the next thing that we're going to talk about. Freaking Persona Five <laughs> delayed from February fourteenth. Now, to April, right on time for my birthday, actually. Oh, well, they did it for you, Kat. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. Uh, six months from now. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what I want to know is, why weren't they going to include the Japanese voices to begin with? I think that it was a... Well, they haven't put it in the previous games. Oh, okay. I think that it takes up a lot of memory. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. I think they were balancing out whether or not they should, whether they should we get this out sooner rather than later, mm-hmm. or should we give the fans like the package that they really want? And ultimately, they were like, you know what? There's some fan, especially with fans complaining already about the English voice track. <laughs> why don't we just give them the freaking Japanese voice track? It'll shut them up. Right. And... I'm all for more choice. Do I so wish I. that I were getting the English version of Persona 5 sooner? Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Heck yeah. But if it's going to be a more complete package and they're going the extra mile to make sure that it's polished up, there was that embarrassing moment in SMT4 uh, Apocalypse where they actually missed a line. There's actually a, a line of untranslated dialogue in one of the final battles because oh, the QA man. engineer, like apparently they were too good. Yeah. And that's why they missed it. Uh-huh. I think Atlas is still kind of embarrassed about that, even though it's just like one line in a very specific situation in the final battle. So I think they're really like going all out to make sure that Persona 5 is perfect. Wow. And they have one of the best uh, localization teams in the business. So. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. But uh, so, yeah. yeah, that's too bad still. Um, I haven't seen a line of untranslated dialogue in a game since, I think, Suikoden 2. Because that had tons of untranslated dialogue just lying out there. Oh my god, the localization in that game was terrible. It almost uh, deep-sixed the uh, its translation over to the PS4. Uh, yeah. Or the is it available on the PS3 and PS4? It's on. It's on the PS3. Yeah, it is, and uh, it's on. And the you can Vita. download onto your Vita. Yeah. I know because I did it. I did it too. 
anyway, uh, yeah, no, apparently the localization on Suikoden 2 was so bad that Konami was actually reluctant to release it. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, Sony had to talk them into it. Wow. That's what somebody over at Sony told me, so... Uh, luckily we got it. Yeah. Now release Valkyrie Profile. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Um, I'd like to see Suikoden 2 get a retranslation, don't get me wrong, just like a cleanup. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah. So on the one hand, marks. it'll give everybody a chance to really dive into Final Fantasy 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, which will be nice. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it leaves a pretty barren window of RPGs for the first, like, four months of the year. Yeah, it really uh, does. I haven't looked at the actual calendar, but uh, there's nothing that's really jumping out at me uh, for the first few months. So no, and we might have to really break out those rainy day topics. We probably will because I think Zelda's not coming out either. On no, March. it's not. It's probably not coming until June. Yeah, that's the report. So geez, uh, and that's a whole that's a whole another ball of wax right mm-hmm. there. But I'm used to like a good nice little range of Japanese RPGs coming out right around the new year that's usually kind of the sweet spot you're you're going to start getting some portable RPGs but yeah especially with the 3DS like kind of on the way out and I mean the Vita being in the place that the Vita is and uh I mean there'll be stuff on the PC I'm sure and yeah maybe we'll get some Oh Andromeda is coming out next year What's coming out? We'll have Andromeda to talk about. Oh that's true. Yeah, so at least we'll have that. And uh, if nothing else, we could talk about Super Robot Wars. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you can talk about right. Super Robot Wars. I'll make you play it, Nadia. <laughs> you better watch out. You probably will. But in the meantime, you're gonna get a, you're getting Persona 4 Golden on the the Vita pretty soon, so that we can talk, only talk about that on the podcast. Too. Yes, that's true. I got my Vita. Um, it was a bit of a quest. We kind of went around some used game shops in Toronto. A shout out to A and C Games. Um, and that was one thing, finding the Vita. Finding memory is another thing. Uh, okay. Yeah, no. The That's what killed the Vita in the end. I mean, yeah. it wasn't just the fact that... I mean, yeah, nobody was making games for it because making games for it were too expensive with too little return of investment. Mm-hmm. But right from the start, the install base was hampered by the fact that the memory for that thing was so freaking expensive. Yeah, it's and crazy. And I say this as someone who bought it at launch, and uh-huh. it was crazy. Yeah, uh, we got lucky. There happened to be a, an EB Games that had a, uh, I think it was eight gigs for around 15 bucks, and I was like, holy moly, just snapped that right up. But that was the last bit of memory they had, and it was used. But we went to everywhere, and we could not find a thing. I was about to go online. But even online, the prices are stupid. Yeah, compared to the 3DS where I was able to buy third-party memory uh, and it was big enough that basically I never had to worry about emptying my fridge again. Yeah, exactly. I have so many games on my 3DS now, it's like completely absurd. I hope I never lose it. Because <laughs> if I lose that 3DS, I lose like hundreds of dollars of games because yeah. my account is maybe non-transferable, not on the 3DS anyway. Yeah. Thanks, Nintendo. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, Nintendo... Third-party memory. Hey, that's great. Uh, except everything's linked to your system. That's not great. Well, almost everything. Well, anyway, um, your homework is to buy Persona 4 Golden, which I know that you're going to be playing pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And whenever you're on the show, we're just going to do a segment, and you're going to talk about where you are and like how what your thoughts are at that point. And we can we can do a little mini let's play, like mini let's discuss about Persona 4 Golden. Oh, that'll be fun. I think people will like that. Yeah, I think so, too. And I kind of jog my memory ahead of Persona 5, so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. 
All right, Nadia. So talking about RPGs that are actually out as of <laughs> the release of this episode, um, Pokemon Sun and Moon, uh-huh. which I have now finished and I've started delving into the post-game content. So here's how we're going to handle it. We're going to talk about the actual story first mm-hmm. and try to avoid too many spoilers. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, um, I will say, all right, spoiler time. If you don't want to listen to this point, fast forward to the next segment. I will include a timestamp in the notes on the show. So just click the little podcasty like thing and check where the timestamp is and yeah. fast forward to that if you don't want to hear spoilers, okay? Sounds good. All right. So Pokemon Sun and Moon, Nadia, how, how much experience do you have with the series actually? Oh, I started with Red and Blue. Um, I've right. played pretty much. I feel much- like we've discussed this before, but I, it's let's good remind our audience. Yeah. Um, I'm not as like hardcore, hardcore as you are, but I definitely love the series. Uh, I've played every installment. I haven't finished every single one of the games, but um, I have played every single one. Mm. Um, so Pokemon Sun and Moon, what are your thoughts? Uh, first of all, how far are you? Uh, I'm on my the, the second island challenge. Second Island Challenge. Yeah. Okay. So you're uh, a little less than halfway. Yeah. Like um, I'm basically taking my time catching stuff and exploring and, you know. Oh, unlike me, like blasting yeah. through the, the main <laughs> story, just being like, I'm going to get to the end. I'm going to see the end. I'm going to see the end. Uh, so are you liking it? I, I like it very much. Um, put it this way. It, it came out at the perfect time considering the, the world climate. Uh, it's a very sort of relaxing, colorful, happy game, and I am okay with that. Um, and it, it's uh, it's very interesting in that it it shakes things up just enough for me. Um, it's very familiar, but at the same time, it has enough surprises that I really feel like Game Freak put a lot of polish into this one. Um, maybe my opinion differs from yours, though. I'm not sure. No, I agree. I think that it is quite a bit more polished than the previous generation. Uh, certainly, the graphics are a lot better this graphics time around. Graphics are very nice, yeah. Um, the backgrounds are really neat. Uh, I, I think the only like technical problem that I have with it is that slowdown is back. Yeah, I have noticed a bit of slowdown here and there. It's not too bad, though. Yeah, you see it in 2v2 battles in mm-hmm. particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's not horrible or anything. Uh, 3D is also gone, so that's kind of disappointing. I didn't even think about it, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, Nadia, what do you think of the totem battles? Uh, those are... Well, let's see. What did I just go up against? I just went up against a uh, a big fish, and that was, a, that was pretty intense for me. Um, that was an epic battle, wasn't it? It was. I really liked that one. Um, especially since the person who led me into it was like, um, just, hey, follow me. We'll do something fun. Oh, here's a giant fish I have to catch. <laughs> oh, dear. Catch in quote in quotation marks yeah. or whatever. Um, I really, I don't know. I just like the way everything comes together. Like, I like the fact that I had a Lapras I could just kind of get on and, like, go exploring with. Mm. And I really like the fact that you fish from the back of the Lapras now. <laughs> mm. So... I I suppose this is like getting into different territory, but yes, I am so happy that HMs are dead. Yeah. They were a vestigial element from the original game. They did not add very much. They felt really gamey and artificial. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody has that memory of putting cut on their stupid Charmander yeah. or whatever. 
<laughs> right at the outset and then discovering that you couldn't get it off again. Yeah, it stayed there. Yeah, and in later games, you could do that. You could actually get the stupid HM move off, but mm-hmm. it it was you still had to, like, tote it around. Yes. Like, you had to tote an HM slave around with your entire party. Exactly. And which kind of limited things, right? It I mean, did. you would be like, you would end up having four monsters who would actually battle plus two HM slaves. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like the term HM slave, by the way. I've never heard that one before. You never heard that never one. Never heard before. that one, but it makes okay. a lot of sense. I mean, Bidoof is the, the quintessential HM slave. He, he can do everything. He can surf, he can cut. He's not good for anything but doing those things. So you just kind he, of like you can plug, use strength. <laughs> plug a bunch of HMs into him. All right, get going. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, uh, you, you would. I would. I would have a whole party of like. I would have my capture party. Mm-hmm. That would be like, okay, this monster is going to put stuff to sleep. This monster is going to like sword dance up and use fake uh, false swipe to knock them down to one HP. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also have Bidoof, who's going to move some boulders <laughs> around and stuff. So you have all these epic monsters in your in your party, and you have one rat beaver thing. It's just like yeah. cowering in their shadows. You know, I follow Bidoof on Twitter. Do you really? He has a Twitter account? He has a really great uh, Twitter account. It's literally just a bot going Bidoof, Bidoof, Bidoof. <laughs> but in like different like ways. And if you like tweet at it, uh-huh. like it'll be like Bidoof, 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 Bidoof. <laughs> the Bidoof like might be my favorite character, uh, might be my favorite Pokemon. Is he really? Yeah, I think so. Well- it's just... So pleasantly dumb. Yeah, that's uh, true. That's, he's great. I love him. <laughs> he's the single greatest Rattata clone of any of the games. We don't need no water. Let <laughs> and you've seen that meme, I'm sure. Bidoof, Bidoof, no, Bidoof is on fire. We don't need oh no water. God. Let that Pokemon burn. I'm dying, Squirtle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bidoof. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I love that HMs are a dead letter. Mm-hmm. And it just does not feel like a loss and only that and we've discussed this when we were talking about the demo but being able to ride around on the different monsters and being able to conveniently do anything on them like fly yes like i can't count the number of times that i left a fly monster in my my box and i'm like oh god i gotta go get skarmory so that i can go fly (laughs) somewhere or whatever right yeah and it's just like really handy it really streamlines everything thank god this should have been a thing years ago i know that it's just one of those things that pokemon should have improved upon ages and ages ago like with the single player campaign and not only that like so this is once again like territory we've already covered but i think it's worth covering again we the the main theme of sun and moon is that the monsters themselves should be front and center Mm mm-hmm and you really see that in like every like little moment of the game. Yeah, I've noticed oh. that, and that's great. It's like people kind of uh, emphasize that uh, they live in harmony with their Pokemon, and you really get that sense. You really get the sense that these people they work alongside their Pokemon, they play alongside them. The Pokemon are just everywhere, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I had a really great moment where um, I went to my character's bed to go sleep, mm-hmm. and I woke up. And there was a Meowth. And it was just like, ow. (laughs) And was like really cute. And it was from like a person perspective. I was like looking at Meowth. Uh And Meowth handed me an awakening. Yeah, I got got that scene too. 
Yeah, it was really cute. It, and was. it was just a cute little throwaway scene. Yeah, and so, actually, uh, if you go to your mom's room and you check Meowth's bed, it says, yeah, Meowth has a bed, but he likes to sleep on your mom's bed, so it's like a cat. <laughs> yeah, because Meowth is a cat. Yeah, so it's just like these uh, little touches that are just all over the place. It's really cute. Uh, I think that culminates, uh, and that I think is most apparent already, as I said, in the fact that you can ride around on monsters. Like, mm-hmm. I love riding on Stoutland or Tauros. Mm-hmm. It it just works. Like, there's a whole bit early on in the game where there's a Tauros kind of, like, hanging around the edge of the city and it's keeping you from advancing because mm-hmm. it's kind of a dick. Yeah. It's to charge around. And they're like, oh, come over and pet Tauros. And you're like, oh, pet, pet, pet. And it's, <laughs> it's just a... Th- it just makes them feel real in a way that they have not felt in like pretty much any other game in the series. Yeah, like they don't feel so much like just like pretty accessories. They are right. They're not just props. They're your friend. Yeah, Pokemon exactly. Like friend. in a way that I haven't felt since Heart Gold and Soul Silver, mm-hmm. and I where you could actually have the monster of your choice following you around, which I never understood why they took that out. But yeah, whatever. I really want that back. Yeah, that would be nice. I, I mean, it was a cute addition, and at the end of the day, like. It doesn't really matter, but at the same time, I kind of liked having, you know, God follow me around. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is my God Pokemon. And just go up and talk Meet to, Arceus. Like, talk to, like, kids that have, like, Caterpies following them. Oh, that's yes, nice. Exactly. That's cute. I have God. Yes. So, I, I also think that it really culminates in the totem battles, which are kind of intense and epic in a way that the gym battles really aren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've said this on another podcast, which you should go listen to. It's the Game Explained Pokemon uh, Sun and Moon discussion, which should be up maybe on their YouTube channel soon. But I was ex- I was saying that the gym battles had really gotten kind of stale. Yeah. They have done pretty much every type, uh, excepting, with the exception of maybe like Dark. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Dark has ever gotten a gym for some reason. You've had multiple ghost gyms, you've had multiple steel gyms, you've had multiple fire gyms, you have multiple electricity gyms, you've had untold numbers of dragon gyms. Yes. And at some point, it just doesn't have the impact that it used to. Yeah. Like, in Gold and Silver, the first time you went to Claire's dragon gym and, like, she had a relationship with Lance, and it was like, that was cool, right? Yeah, exactly. In Black and White, there's also a dragon gym, and I couldn't tell you anything about this guy. Yeah. Doesn't feel interesting. Doesn't feel dramatic. It's just a guy in a gym. But no. We're like, we're retreading old territory. Yeah, you're right. Because I was thinking about the totem uh, battle. I went up against the, the, the giant fish. I can't even remember its name. I know it was like made up of little fishes. And um, it was actually like, it was pretty difficult because uh, even though I had Pokemon strong against it, it was strategizing against me, which I'm not used to with uh, with gym battles. Yeah, it's kind of fun to have it call in. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. it calls in and like a uh, allies that like really give it a hand, and it's yeah. kind of annoying actually. And the allies can like boost their their stats, and like this stupid Pokemon to begin with, this totem boosted its stats, and so I had this you know even though I had an electric Pokemon, uh, this stupid water Pokemon wiped me out because it uh, I forgot what it used. I think rain or something, and um, mm. it's just it's a little less predictable. Put it that way. Yeah, and also it feels pretty cinematic like yes. when the giant fish jumps out of the water and comes like right at you and then uh some it's raining and there's some pretty awesome music going and you're like oh man it's like a real battle yeah. okay let's do this thing yeah it and feels epic. Uh, like the totem battles themselves can be fairly tough mm-hmm. um 
my strategy early on actually was that I had a haunter with me. Well, it was a ghastly initially, but it became a haunter. Mm-hmm. And it had curse. Oh. So I would just put a curse on. Uh, <laughs> I just put a curse on it, and that would like quarter its HP every time, yeah. every turn. So it was pretty much guaranteed to die as long as I could like hold out. Mm-hmm. No, I don't have. So, a, I don't have a, a haunter. I have a. I have a crazy ass strong sable eye. Uh, that I found. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, at 10 oh, carat that's hill. that's really cool. And uh, I was like, oh, cool, a sable eye, I like sable eye, and I caught, it. I caught it after a struggle, and I was like, holy moly, its stats are pretty in- in- insane. So it's I- pretty funny, because sable eye, like, once upon a time, was not that remarkable a Pokemon, but then it got a mega evolution, mm-hmm. and it kind of became a badass. <laughs> I love mega sable-, sable eye. Yeah, so do I. It has that big-ass gem, right? Just kind of holds it in front yeah, of it. Yeah, giant gem. Yeah. <laughs> it's so. Cute. Yeah, so uh, I suppose that kind of leads me to the question, what do you think of the Pokemon selection in uh, Sun and Moon? Well, you, I, I noticed your article, you talked about how you weren't too happy about the new Pokemon. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? I, I, I'm a big fan of a lot of them. Um, for one thing, okay. I like the Alolan forms, and I understand where you were coming from, where they, they're not that, and they're not a great idea from a competitive standpoint, because they do kind of screw with your head. And, um, of course, their typings are totally different most of the time, so that kind of messes up the competitive factor. That's fine. But I think they look cool. <laughs> I they're mean, fine. I, I mean... I think their inclusion's a tiny bit cynical. Yeah, because... because they're, like, they're, like, marketing ploy. They're meant to bring in the, the first-gen fans who can't let go of the freaking first 150. Get over it! They're good Pokemon in every generation. Oh, my God. Yeah, I totally 100% agree with that. And by the time that this goes up, probably I'll have my own little piece on that up as well. But um, I just like the fact that, okay, yeah, sure, they're revisiting these Pokemon forms, but they're the way they're designed is so cute. I mean, look at hmm. Sandshrew. It's like a little igloo. It has an igloo on its head. <laughs> Come on, that's so cute. I mean, Vulpix isn't that remarkable. Vulpix is just an icy Vulpix, big deal. But, uh, yeah. of course, Alolan Executor is a hit. No doubt about uh, that. Alolan Executor is pretty rad. Yeah. Alolan Gollum is okay. Um, I think he has, like, a cannon in, like, his shell. He's, yeah. He's kind of a pain in the ass to deal with, actually. Like, he um, w- was one of the monsters in a late battle, and he damn near wiped my party. Ooh. Um, I was having a hard time with him. But my, my party was also not particularly well-equipped to handle him. Right. <laughs> I had, um, I ended up using, oh, God, what was my party? I used a two-cannon. I love two-cannon. Uh, two-cannon's kind of a badass. Yeah, two-cannon's awesome. He looks like he, like, everything about his expression is, I kill you! <laughs> He hates you. He is just serving you out of obligation to some god. He doesn't care about you. Uh, it's just like the most pissed off looking Pokemon I've ever seen. And I don't think that Beak Blast is necessarily good because it's a little slow, mm-hmm. but it can. But the fact that it can burn an opponent is a big deal because yeah. it, uh, if you burn a physical uh, attacker, like that really messes them up. Yes. Uh, and it seems to have the defensive stats to be an attack stats to be sturdy enough to be able to take the hit while burning something. Mm-hmm. But, eh, you know, um, it was useful to me at the end of the day. Like, I was able to take out a lot of opponents with that. Yeah. Um, I used Litten. Litten, of course. Uh, have you, did you evolve into, I'm sure you evolved into Cinderor by now. Oh, yeah, he's an Incineroar. Uh, His... I wasn't a big fan of Incineroar. I, th- I thought Incineroar looked kind of dumb, to be perfectly honest. I just love the wrestling gimmick. I mean, I love that whole the the Z-move the Z he has. You know, I know that he's a fire-dark type, 
But I feel like the kind of fighting fire type thing is like played out. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've done that since Ruby and Sapphire, <clears throat> where you had Blaziken and then you had um, Emborn and you had Infernape, and they were all fighting types, and it was a pain in the ass. And then finally, you got well, maybe Embor was dark type. I can't remember. I don't remember. Uh, he looked like Ganon. That was the important yeah. thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's what mattered. And then you got to um, finally the, the, the flouncy little fox. Oh, I love that fox. That was psychic Del fire. Fox? Yeah, Del Fox. That was a psychic type. Yeah, that was And cool. it was primarily special type. Or it was primarily a special attacker. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, fine. I mean, you're not particularly good, but at least you're interesting and different. Yeah. And now we're back to like the kind of the fighting gimmick. And yes, I know he's fire and dark. But yeah, but he's he looks like a friggin' wrestler. He's he physically be in MMA. Strong. Yeah, he does. And he's physically strong. He doesn't have a very good special attack, as I recall. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's primarily special uh, physical attacker. Um, that said, his Z move is pretty rad. It's really cute, like the whole yeah. Daniel Bryan yes thing, and like he does this. It, my husband saw the gif, and he's like, "Um, actually, that's a that's a shooting star press. That's not a moonsault." But <laughs> that's, oh well, okay. Yeah. So to be fair, he's right. But either way, it's a lot of fun. Um, I just like how he's supposed to be a heel. And, but do you- I always like I always liked I I like that your main character is always smiling kind of blankly. Mm-hmm. Like they always got this blank smile. Yeah, and that freaks when, me out. And when you do the Incineroar Z move, like her, she does the what was the Daniel Bryan thing? Like the yes, like, the like kind yes. of points in the air. She does the yes move. Yeah, and while doing that blank benign smile, <laughs> and Incineroar flies up and does the the body slam thing. Yeah, and. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I I like the I like the Pokemon specific Z moves mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, those are they're a lot of fun. The uh, the elemental ones, those are okay, but I don't use them very much. They're all right if I'm pissed off and I just want to get the battle done with. But uh, it's the Pokemon specific ones that are a lot of fun. That's what it comes down to. I don't think the Z moves are especially great for the main story. Mm-hmm. Um, for one thing, and they give you kind of a, a bit of a punch that can be useful if. Um, that can be useful if you are in a tough battle. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, when you're playing the main story, most of the time you are just switching in whatever monster is strong against whatever you're fighting against. And you're going to use a super effective move and probably kill them pretty quick. Yeah. And then you'll move on. And the, the Z move will do more damage Mm -hmm. and i I guess in that respect it can be kind of useful especially when you're fighting like a tough totem pokemon yeah but more often than not like it's just kind of like it it doesn't give you enough bang for the buck to watch the same animation over and over again yeah and i don't think you can skip it can you no you cannot yeah so uh it's also kind of funny because I did um, the fighting move one. I can't remember what it's called, like all-out pummeling, I think. All-out pummel, yeah. And um, so the animation makes it so that there's like this Dragon Ball Z-style hole in a mountain at the end of it all. And it's like, it didn't one-shot the Pokemon I was fighting, so it was kind of stupid. You <laughs> hmm. went into a mountain, dude. <laughs> um, I think that the Z-moves will matter a lot more in the competitive community. Yeah, that I could see. I could see that being the case. Mostly because you can save them for one really big shot that you really need. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of these Z moves have just outrageous power. If you factor in same type attack bonus, um, like buffs that you might give yourself, 
um, like stuff like that. <clears throat> and I think especially if you are sweeping an opponent, they are they can be the trump card against uh, a wall. Like they can like yeah. get that extra oomph to break a wall and be able to um, ultimately sweep an opposing team. So I think in that respect, a Z move can be like pretty useful in the competitive game. The flip side of that is that it's a held item, much like the Mega Evolution yeah, Stone. Yeah, exactly. So that is kind of a big loss because there are a lot of items in Pokemon that you are like are really pretty essential for a sweeper, whether mm-hmm. it's a, a choice scarf, which makes them go a lot faster, um, or a choice band, which makes them a lot stronger. Um, if you lose, you might get that one-time punch, but you lose out on um, damage over yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's going to come down to the trainer in the end. But uh, I wonder if that means we just probably won't see as many Z moves in competitive fighting. I don't know. Um, I think that, like I said, you might see them um, on wall breakers. Mm-hmm. Um, you might see them on something like Salamence, for example, mm-hmm. which maybe you attach the dragon version of the Z-type move and then you use um, Draco Meteor. Oh, yeah. Which is um, super, super strong. And like a lot of the times what a Salamence is meant to do is you send it out and you know that they're going to switch because you sent it out against something that is like it can't really touch Salamence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you drop just like a giant Draco Meteor, like, right <laughs> on their face and, like, really mess up whatever wall they send out. Yeah. And maybe if it's a, if it's a fairy or it's a, or a, or a steel type, you're kind of out of luck. But if in the right circumstances, you can just, like, blow stuff up. So I imagine that with a Z-move, it could be even better. That reminds so. me. I've heard that, uh, according to some of the data mining going on, um, Beware is insanely powerful. Like really? Yeah, I heard that uh, he can't even be one-shotted by Mega Rayquaza. Ugh. I don't like Beware. <laughs> he's cute. He's dumb. No, he's... he looks ugly. I hate it. No, he's cute, dumb. He's super cute, dumb. <laughs> I also Look, like. I think the dumb designs give Pokemon character and ultimately separates it from a lot of the pretenders. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for God's sake, we have a monster called Sandy Gas. I know that's great. Which is a literal sandcastle. I mean, come on. <laughs> I heard someone bitching about that when I was in downtown Toronto the other day and we're in a game store and he's going on about how Pokemon doesn't have any more good ideas. They have a sandcastle now. And it's like, do you know anything? <laughs> I wanted to go up to him and tap him on the shoulder. Do you know anything about Sandy Gast? Anything. Do you know anything about Sandy Gast? He steals Let souls. Let me explain to you. I'm a professional. <laughs> he steals souls into a sandcastle. Damn right. That's what makes him great. Yeah. <laughs> Make Pokemon sandcastles great again <laughs> that sounded like it hurt to get out but what else do you get um in terms of or what, what else do you like oh i like mudsdale i really like mudsdale oh yeah he's all right i guess i like horses Just a big angry big angry oh, he starts out as a donkey and then becomes a like a giant clydesdale yeah but that, you know from hell that's a that's biologically sound yeah i've uh i've got one in my party um who else do I like? I, I like a whole bunch of them there. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the, this crazy salamander one um, that like turns oh, into a right, sexy yeah. salamander chick. That's kind of <laughs> creepy. Yeah, but uh, you know, I I liked the 
I liked Alolan Marowak. <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty cool. I like the thematic uh, des- redesign they did for that. I like Glispopod, which is this horrifying bug cyborg thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, I know which one that is. Um, Not like the horrifying bug cyborg from a couple generations ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is different. Uh, I forget what he evolves from, but um, he is... You fight him a whole bunch because he's one of the main villain uh, monsters. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he is, like, ridiculously good because he has a move that I think does extra damage like the first time you use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the first time you use it. And then also it has like um, emergency exit which will let it just like bail when it gets like hit uh, when like some of its damage is when damage is done and it loses like half its HP. Wow. So yeah it, it's pretty good. And Is that the one that evolves from Wimpod? Uh, yeah, that's the one. Okay, because the reason I brought that up is uh, there was a 4chan thread or something where everyone's making fun of Wimpod, and like someone said, what what, uh, what do you want Wimpod to evolve into? Because at this point, nobody knew, and everyone, of course, is making these stupid jokes. And then someone posts a picture of the evolved form of Wimpod and says, whoever talks shit, I want you to apologize right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a bug. Um, like, uh, a little bug evolves into, like, a really cool lightning bug. Yeah. Uh, who knows if he'll actually be good. Yeah. I really like the, the legendaries. So do I. I really love uh, Lunala. The ones that look like tiki masks. Oh, those ones. Those ones. Those are cool, too. But Yeah, uh, they're pretty rad. I am a big fan of bats, so I like Lunala. <laughs> All right. So I think we've kind of discussed the main story a fair amount. This is what I will say about the main story without spoilers. Um, I think that it is the most kind of compelled i've been playing a pokemon in quite a long time mm-hmm. me too it's the f- the first time in a long time that i've been like i really love this region i really love the story i like these characters i i feel like i'm exploring again uh a lot of the novelty came back and a lot of that came down to the fact that uh they just varied it up for a change. My yeah. God. I mean, yeah. Six generations of going through <laughs> freaking gym leaders. Yeah. Finally. So uh, if they want to keep on varying things up, like really kind of uh, like owning the theme of the these regions that you're in, because I mean, they only mm-hmm. kind of dabble with it in other games, but they really own up the whole Hawaiian thing with Alola, like the culture, yep. the the people. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd like to see uh, more of that. I I like the idea of the Pocopelago. Um, I like the idea of like passively catching monsters who come into your game. Mm-hmm. That's kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, and being able to improve your island and train an entire team passively. Mm-hmm. Uh, good idea. Um, it's bigger than say just the daycare where um, where levels or XP is gained based on how many steps you take. Yeah. Um, you can like get a bunch of different improvements. Like you can also like do an a cave, and your mon your box monsters will go explore the cave mm-hmm. and bring items back, which is also kind of cool. That's nice because I always feel bad for box monsters. I know they're not just sitting there anymore; they're actually like doing stuff. Yeah, and uh, so good idea. And of course, the festival plaza is a great idea because the Join Avenue in Black Two and White Two was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I've said many times, I consider Black 2, White 2 to be the high watermark of the entire series for a variety of reasons. And Join Avenue is one big reason of that because I loved the idea of anybody you met, whether it's through like Wonder Trades or GTS or um, 
talking to just friends, like they will come into your joint avenue and you can have them open up markets and buy stuff from them. And you can steadily level up those markets and get even better stuff. And it was so useful for being able to level up my monsters, train them, hatch eggs quickly, mm-hmm. the works. Yeah, so. I haven't really spent much time in Festival Plaza yet, but I should. Well, it's because um, up until today, um, we could not actually go online. So that's true. Now we can go online. Yeah. And now we can actually like make more use of the Festival Plaza. Yay. All right. So we have talked a bit about the story. So this is where I'm going to go into spoiler warning. Um, and talk a little bit about the end of the story and also the um, post-game content. So if you don't want to hear about this stuff, skip ahead to the next timestamp. Okay, so Ultra Beasts are a big thing in this game. Mm-hmm. Ultra Beasts are like Cthulhu-like creatures from another dimension. Yeah, Pokemon likes its other dimensions, that's for sure. It's It's actually pretty interesting. And like there was a lot of talk about like, manipulating time and space and i kind of hoped that that meant that i was going to be using a machine to like go back in time to like other regions or something that'd be amazing yeah no um so the ultra beasts on the one hand i think the ultra beasts are a neat concept and it's actually kind of nightmarish because at the end of the game (laughs) the main villain uh takes one of the other bad guys and they jump into the ultra beast dimension which is like um Spoilers for Stranger Things. It's, it's kind of like the the monster dimension in Stranger Things. Wow, cool. And you go in there and it's like really freaky. And like there are these like ultra beasts that are very alien and horrifying. Like there are these like jellyfish monsters that make these really creepy noises and like will try to possess you. And it's really messed up. Well, like, that's actually what they're doing a to you. pretty interesting reference to Lovecraft. I think there was a, a story exactly like that where Hmm. people went to an alternate, there was like an alternate dimension and uh, it had like these crazy ass jellyfish in there, but yeah. And the main villain actually ends up symbiotically pairing with them. Sweet. And becoming like this like Lovecraft, uh, like not quite a, like one of those, uh, you know, one of those horror monsters, like. The Elder Gods? Not, I'm thinking of a very particular- I'm thinking of very, just from Rick and Morty, um, whatever. So yeah, not quite Lovecraftian, like horror, but still kind of like horrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's, well, she looks like she's flying a spaceship made of organic mass. Yeah, That's what I would say. And she has like this crazy ass look in her eyes mm-hmm. as you're fighting her. It's actually very different from what I'm used to in Pokemon. She goes full Yandere. Yep. Uh, it was a fun battle. Like, don't get me wrong. Um... I thought that was, like, a really good sequence in the game. You know what another good sequence in the game is? Which? Um, so, Team Skull. <laughs> I like Team Throughout Skull. Throughout the game, like, they're kind of weird. They're kind of dumb. Yeah. Like, they are, like, I don't know, white people trying to do hip-hop? That seems to be the this seems to be their motive. And they're just over the top and cheesy as humanly possible. Uh-huh. And... But then there's a sequence where you find their town, Poe Town, which they've taken over. And it's actually kind of creepy. It, it looks like a meth house. Oh, gee. <laughs> I shouldn't Like, laugh. it's like completely trashed. 
and there's graffiti everywhere uh-huh. and you're just kind of like and the people are just kind of like standing around hanging around it's like the lost children like found into fell face first into like a drug ring or something <laughs> oh geez it's really weird wow i, I was like that. actually legitimately creeped out it was like something straight out of breaking bad well, it's like, okay, you consider it, Pokemon can't get too adult for obvious reasons, but uh, right, yeah. you still have people like us who grew up with Pokemon, and they they wouldn't mind something a little darker once in a while, you know? So, yeah, yeah. good job. So, between the Ultra Beasts and the Team Skull Meth House, <laughs> I think that it kind of accomplished that. We have to cook, Pikachu. <laughs> and so, the final battle, so, like, one of the main thrusts of the game is that um, Alola does not have its own proper Pokemon League yet. That's why, like, mm-hmm. they have the island challenges, and you build. And they build up a, and they are constructing a kind of final challenge um, so that they can crown their first champion. And when the game is, when the main story is done, they they're like, come challenge the Kahunas, who are now the new Elite Four. Mm-hmm. So you fight all of the island kahunas, which is good. I, I like that it's not just four randos like <laughs> that you haven't seen throughout the game. Like it's actually like four people that you've see, interacted with regularly throughout the game. Yeah. So you have much more of a connection to them, right? Yeah. Uh, as opposed to like I couldn't even begin to tell you who the the elite four were in like X and Y. Like they're just like. Whoosh, yeah, I only remember like, the original reds and blues. That's it. Oh yeah, because they were like iconic. Like, yeah, the, those they were the the famous ones. Yeah, and then after that, it was just retreads for yeah. the most part. I mean, occasionally um, an elite four member would play some larger role in the story somehow, and then you would encounter them. Usually, it would be the champion who would be like, "Oh yeah, you're definitely the champion. <laughs> I look forward to fighting you at the end of the game." Yeah. Uh, occasionally you see like little stories like in Diamond and Pearl, um, the electric guy, the electric gym leader who was at the end of the game was best friends with Flint, mm-hmm. who was in the Elite Four. Yeah. So stuff like that. But it wasn't very but, overt. Yeah. But other than that, most of the time it was just like, here for uh, really strong trainers and you're going to fight them and here's the champion. Okay, you're done. Have fun. So in that sense, I like that the Kahunas are like actually play kind of a role mm-hmm. like in that when you fight them it feels like a natural combination yes um and the battles themselves uh not too hard by pokemon standards actually um i would say that even they're even a little under leveled compared to what i was used to mm-hmm. so i was able to actually blow through them relatively easily but some of that was because i was using the the main legend well they're also new with the job Sorry? I said they're also new at the job. (laughs) (laughs) They're new at the job, yeah. And so when you win, you are actually crowned champion. And here's one thing that I actually kind of like, is that if you go back and you re-challenge the Elite Four, you'll get different people challenging you from that point on. Mm -hmm. Because you are the champion. You're not just fighting the same people over and over again. Yeah. Which I appreciate, actually. That's a nice Uh, little touch. I think that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So, so that's pretty cool. Um, the rest of the post game, so so. So there's a girl that's traveling with you throughout the game, and she actually has a legitimate arc. She starts off as kind of klutzy and a little dumb, and she's got this little monster named Cosmog. And like, what is Cosmog like doing? 
and you got to protect Cosmog, you got to protect this girl. And as the game goes on, she becomes steadily more like self-assured and mm-hmm. in charge. And at the end of the game, she's like, "I'm going to go to Kanto, and I'm going to become a Pokemon trainer, and I'm going to challenge the." the the gyms and the elite four and she gets on a boat i'm like cut take me with you <laughs> i want to go to Kanto. i want to go to kanto <laughs> oh my god but no alas you do not get to go with her Aww. no going to kanto and i just i couldn't resist tweeting out what a freaking tease yeah i saw you i saw you write that the other day and i'm like what is she talking about i knew you were talking about the pokemon post game somehow but i didn't know such exactly a what. freaking tease to have her do that Did- because of course Kanto was like famously like the big reveal at the end of Gold and Silver was ta da! Johto's yeah. actually connected to Kanto and you get to go through all the gyms again. And oh, look, Blue, uh, let's see, Gary has taken over a gym and uh, Team Rocket is up to some stuff. And people are like, oh, it's too empty and blah, blah, blah. Ah, screw you. It was awesome. God, it was for a the great... time. It was great. Like, for what an ambitious game. I mean, didn't Iwata have to basically help out with that? Yes. Yeah, you had to do the coding. Yeah, and Uh, um, for a Game Boy game of its time, holy moly, take it. I mean, it just felt like the ultimate Pokemon experience. Like, they could have just dropped the mic and walked away right there. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, Gold and Silver on its own was not a small game. And it wrapped up the story from the original game and kind of showed you where everybody was and how things had changed. And it, it just worked on so many different levels. And maybe you can't do that again, but I... I actually think that um, a lot of games have much better post games than this one does. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, Emerald had the Battle Frontier, which had like was actually arguably even better than what you could get in Gold and Silver because it had like all of these rad challenges. You had a tournament battle that like you actually felt like you were in a tournament, which was a lot of fun. you had like these weird obstacle courses, like mm-hmm. you had some of the toughest battles you're ever going to find and you could collect eight frontier badges. Yeah. And if you could get all of the gold badges, like you were an expert, like I, even I wasn't able to do that. And I played like crazy because <laughs> those battles were hard. Like yeah. they were, they matched up to your level. Like, so you're, so you had to really be on your game and it could be really cheap at times. Mm hmm. And it had, like, so many different and interesting challenges. Like, it would be like, okay, um, in this challenge, you have a random monster. And you're just going to have to build your team based on what we offer you. And you just have to have really super good knowledge of what's good and what's not. Mm-hmm. Or uh, your monster's going to fight, but it's not going to listen to you. So you can only kind of give it vague <laughs> instructions. Yeah. And it's going to fight on its own. You're just going, oh, God, I hope it, uh. <laughs> it listens And the to me. frontier brains were, like, super-powered gym leaders. It was awesome. I loved it. That definitely. And they had it in platinum, too. Yeah. See, I didn't play that, but it definitely sounds like a real post-game sort of content. Because you've beat everyone. Why not go for mm-hmm. the next tier, you know? Did, yeah, absolutely. Did you at least get to fight red and blue in uh in, uh I, I totally blanked there, sorry. <laughs> do you in at least Sun get to, to fight uh, Red and Blue in Alola? Yes, you do. Okay. Are they married? So so here's that. <laughs> They're not married, uh-huh. to my knowledge. <laughs> to your knowledge. They're older, though. Yeah. So we've definitely, like, well past the Red and Blue continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, they're amusingly. So one of the reasons that the, 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 the companion girl goes back to Kanto is because she's trying to save her mother who has been poisoned by fusing with these like jellyfish things. And she wants to uh, consult with Bill, 
who once was merged with a Pokemon in a teleporter, like the fly style. Yeah. David Cronenberg. <laughs> She's not quite Cronenbergian. Yeah. I did it. Hooray. <laughs> Good job. Uh, and she wants to figure out how to use the cell splicer remover divider thing to save her mom. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that's like an actual pop point in the continuity. This thing is insane. Yeah, this game is insane. This world is insane. <laughs> so... So, yeah, you do actually get to fight them. There's a battle tower, which is a battle tower in every Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Um, But the difference is that periodically you will fight, like, Cynthia, who is the champion of Diamond and Pearl. You'll fight Wally, who is your buddy in Diamond and Pearl. You fight Ren and Blue. You fight a a bunch of characters from previous games. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of neat. I like that. That is kind of cool. Also, Looker is back. Oh, really? And... Uh, Looker is the detective from uh, Platinum yeah. and X and Y. And he's got a new case. And the case is uh, track down the Ultra Beasts who are attacking the world and capture them. Huh. Well, that's kind of cool, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you do that stuff, you know, you'll probably clear like 30 hours. But um, I there's certainly nothing on the level of, say... I don't know, the contests in Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire. Uh, you can't decorate a room That's too bad. like you could in previous games. At least to my knowledge, I've not found any like indication that you can. Um, the extra space that you can explore, it's kind of limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for reference, in black and white, half the freaking region is off limits until the end of the game. Yeah, that's right. Um so that's like actually a bigger space than what you would have found in the original red and blue. Mm-hmm. Um, in Diamond and Pearl, you had a whole extra island, like this elite island that you could go visit and catch all of these uh, legendary monsters, which was kind of cool. This one, um, you have kind of a half of a, one of the smallest islands, and that's kind of your post-game area. And that's where you're going to find like the battle tree and stuff. Right. And additional... Uh, legendaries to collect so it's a it's a little bit of a letdown um and plus like i i really 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 loved the pokemon world tournament um which had you fight all of the previous gym leaders who were leveled up to match your monsters Mm -hmm. plus all of the champions through all the generations up to that point yeah that was awesome no so good i loved it so freaking much that's too bad i mean like yeah. Just the fact that uh, the main quest is so good, but the post-game just kind of drops it a bit. Yeah, I think one of the biggest disappointments I've ever felt was when I was playing Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire, and I found a sign saying, Coming soon, the Battle Frontier. Oh. <laughs> Those trolls. Oh. God. And I was like, aha, <laughs> this means that DLC is going to... Nope. Nope. <laughs> no DLC. And you know why they're not going to put this stuff in the game? Because they don't have to. No, they really don't. Because they know that the game will be self-sustaining after the main quest is done. The community will be like, oh, we're going to go capture a whole bunch of monsters. Um, we're going to battle with one another. We're going to train up and we're going to like take place, part in the video game championships. But I miss the like hardcore solo challenges. Yeah. Like, I don't. I'm kind of a retired when it comes to the actual competitive community because I don't have time to sit around and train up my my monsters. I like just using my old monsters, maybe a couple of new ones, 
to uh, fight my way through like the hardcore super challenges, like the Pokemon World Tournament and the Battle Frontier. Mm-hmm. Um, I like taking them to Hollywood and making them into stars, <laughs> like I could in Black Two, White Two. Uh, I liked having a secret base that gave me reason to play through the uh, through the, the the battle tower, so that I could buy items and like uh, decorate my place. I love the contests because I love getting ribbons. Yeah. You know, stuff like that, right? Um, stuff that's not just battling. And I don't know. It, feel like, it feels like they've dropped the ball on that the last couple generations. And I'm not sure that they really care anymore. And it's really dismaying, actually. That's too bad. But uh, on the other hand, I just like the fact that they put so much into the main story. I guess it's better than having, like, two half-assed halves, like, a, you know, like a, a kind of a boring single-player story campaign and then, like, kind of middling post-game uh, content. Uh, right. It's not X and Y. Yeah. <laughs> I liked X and Y. <laughs> X and Y was fine. Um, I think the most memorable thing about X and Y for me was I liked some of the monsters. It was in 3D. Mm-hmm. It had um, much more robust online capability than previous generations had had. Yeah. And you could dress yourself up. I loved the customizable characters. Yes. Finally. My God. It took so long. And then they seemingly took it out in Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Mm-hmm. And then they put it back in in Sun and Moon. And I'm like, oh, okay, thank God. I uh, spent all my money on clothes. Oh, no. <laughs> my Pokemon needs a potion. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, screw you. I have, a better, I have a nice tank top now. So you're just going to have to suffer. Yeah. So I guess. Um, so I ended up actually. I actually did put like 100 hours in X and Y. So for all my complaining, yeah. like I did actually play that game a lot. Um, and some of that was because I was motivated to kind of play competitively. I was having a good time. And who knows? Like I do actually plan to jump into the online battle simulators that will inevitably grow up around Sun and Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, learn the metagame. I'm actually going to learn the 2v2 metagame. It's time, Nadia. Oh, it's time, eh? Time to, time to advance, to evolve. The moment has come. The moment has come. I'm going to do that. I'm going to catch all of the legendaries, which I always do mm-hmm. because that is kind of my job. Um, or that's like my main like goal once I finish the game is like, oh, I'm going to catch all the legendaries. Mm-hmm. And who knows? May- maybe I'll end up playing for like 150 hours and like all of my criticisms will be kind of moot. <laughs> and as usual, people will find lots of stuff to do. But you know... You know what else Black 2 and White 2 had that was awesome? It had in-game achievements. That's true, it did. You could get these little medals. Yeah. By, like, like uh, undertaking all kinds of challenges. Like, beat the Elite Four with an all-fire team. Yeah. Beat the Elite Four with only one monster. Yeah, see, so Beat yeah. the Elite Four doing this. I'd or like to do see that this, come back. Or do that. There, there are just certain things that really need to come back, and uh, that's one of them. Like, having a Pokemon follow you around, having in-game... Uh, achievements that, that's all stuff that should still be there, the poco walker hello oh man that was classic let's be healthy so that we could <laughs> let's be healthy and raise our monsters let's <sighs> i don't know um i hate sounding like i'm like down on sun and moon because like i said the story was like the best i've had in a while i think the menagerie is fine i think at the end of the day the metagame will be just as compelling as ever mm-hmm. um but I think the thing that I in particular want is not in this game. And that's kind of a drag um, because uh, Sun and Moon like really, like really reawakened my love for the series. And I don't know if we're going to get anything that expansive again. I, I hope so. Well, I guess we'll have to see on the Switch. We're gonna, right? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure there's already something in the works for the Switch. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, 
So you can read my ongoing coverage of Pokemon Sun and Moon on the site. Um, I'm doing kind of a journal from a hardcore point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at stuff like the Z moves. I'm, I'm looking at stuff like the post-game content. Um, and just kind of talking at, about it from the point of view of somebody who's been playing these games for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy is writing the actual review. And he's <laughs> he's writing it as somebody who like catches Tropius and he's happy. <laughs> He's like, let's get the dumbest Pokemon possible onto my team and just see what happens. Is that the banana dragon? Uh, it's not really a dragon. It's like a brontosaurus, but with bananas on its chin. Okay, yeah, that's the one. Doesn't evolve, has a terrible typing, flying <laughs> flying grass. Fantastic. You can just blow that one away. Oh, it's horrible, but it's hilarious. <laughs> it's cute. So Nadia, last week we were talking about, uh, we, we kind of imagined what an RPG would look like from the point of view of a villain. We did. And how like a Final Fantasy VII Sephiroth edition would actually be kind of neat, right? Yes. Or uh, Mass Effect from the point of view of the Reapers. Mm-hmm. So I solicited um, people to be like, hey, well, do you have any ideas? Do you? Who would you like to play as? And uh, I got some good ideas. And keeping with the Pokemon idea... Uh, so we have this from Jonathan Huslin. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced your name. How about a version of Pokemon Red and Blue where you play as a Team Rocket grunt? I love that idea, uh, especially since uh, what if you have to get through the game? You have Your whole goal is to get through the game to go up against Red with your crummy-ass Zubats, <laughs> which is all they give you. It's like if, if you're a grunt. <laughs> a Rattata. If, if you're a grunt, it's like, welcome to Team Rocket. You're Tier 1. You get a Zubat. What the hell am I going to do with a Zubat? Uh, you figure it out. It's your problem. <laughs> Rather than going around catching monsters, training, and fighting gyms, you steal Pokemon from trainers by beating them in battle. Oh, okay. It would be interesting to me to have that sort of twist to the collecting. Want a fire type? You have to find someone who has one and beat them. Oh, Want man. Want a Pokemon you can surf on? Find a trainer with a Lapras, then go rob a store that has a surf HM. <laughs> I like that. They should also take a cue from Ruby and Sapphire and have a vehicle that you steal to get around. Or maybe there's some scattered MacGuffins that you need to summon Mewtwo to locate it or something. Wow. All the while, you cross paths with Red and Blue who attempt to thwart you dastardly plans. They could even use some elements from Gold and Silver and have the current champ try to track you down. Or from Black and White and have the local leaders defending their areas. Forced gym leader battles, even if they aren't in the gym, wow. could be a way of maintaining the locking out of areas mechanic. Playing as a rocket grunt would also allow them to approach the structure of Kanto differently. You don't necessarily have to start Kanto. In fact, it would make much more sense if you didn't. Make the game start with taking over the Sylph building in Saffron mm-hmm. and weaves out from there. Reordering the structure could also give a new perspective on certain gym leaders. Maybe Brock wouldn't be such a joke if you encounter him later with stronger Pokemon. I digress. What do you think? Could be fun. Yeah, I would play it in two seconds. I would love to. I, would I love agree to with that. you, John, in Orlando. That would be phenomenal. Yeah. You know what's really funny? Uh, in certain games, I, I think, yeah, I know, in Fire Red Leaf Green, um, you can actually refight Brock with stronger monsters. Oh, nice. After you beat the game. And uh, they're, they're no joke. It's like a pretty good challenge, actually, mm-hmm. um, going through all of the gym leaders. And then all of the Elite Four get buffed monsters as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of just monsters from the Kanto region, they also have monsters from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, there was a period where I think champion gary and fire red leaf green was the strongest trainer ever in a game um maybe okay maybe not as strong as red at the end of gold and silver Mm -hmm. but pretty freaking strong and he brought in monsters from 
uh, Gen One, Gen Two, and Gen Three. So he he was he he was a pretty dang good challenge. But no, uh, sadly, Game Freak would never make this game. No, because I think stealing monsters goes against everything that uh, they kind of believe in. Yeah, it'd still be a lot but, of fun though. Uh, an enterprising developer who wanted to make an off-brand Pokemon mm-hmm. where you are the the villain, that'd be pretty fun, right? Yeah, I'd play it. Oh, in two seconds. That'd be great. Yeah, so give me that game. Uh, so I had a pretty long Final Fantasy Tactics uh, villain one. Um, and I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I almost feel like this is like an essay. <laughs> Good job. This is like an essay one. A but, plus. Uh, but it's stuff like, what is the true relation- relationship between Delita and the lightly mentioned character Belmafula Lanado? What rivals come across his path and which allies that we don't know about help him rise to prominence? Does he question his own motivations and have any dark nights of the soul? What are possible encounters between himself and the church? If he encountered the revived Algus Argath, you run into the PSP version. Imagine that conversation. How does Delita invade and manipulate situations in pursuit of the crown? Is he just so good that no one is ever able to actually pick up on his tactics? With all of the sociological studies out there, especially in this election cycle, you could get really deep about how he can manipulate various people to do things and generate loyalties. Seeing the behind the scenes of his actions may not fully qualify as being (laughs) Kefka, but the planning and outcomes that lead to those actions are worth a visit. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Uh, well, that's a really insightful answer. So uh, thank you for that. Definitely. There's a lot more than that. I bet. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> but uh, I wish I could give it the answer it deserves. Because... Yeah, no, that'd be kind of interesting. I, I, I feel like that's the case in Tactics Ogre, too, because you have a character who uh, can stay with your party or become evil. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's a big turning point, like, at the first quarter pull of the game. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, it would be kind of interesting to follow him. Uh, any game with a like a reasonably well-developed and interesting villain would be great fodder yeah. uh, for a video game, I think so, I think. So if you have any more ideas of good villains that would make great stars of an, an RPG, um, yeah, send, draw me a line and I will keep reading them um, along with uh, your RPG pitches, which I always enjoy, um, underrated RPG pitches. In the meantime, Axe of Blood God is a U.S. Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Our Height Radio, um, a bunch of other places. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Um, I'm at the underscore catbot. You can follow Nadia at Nadia Oxford. If you have comments on this episode, if you want, if you want to just kind of have your voice heard, if you have your own individual thoughts. If you just want to pitch an RPG or tell me about your unsung hero, drop me a line at cat.bailey at usgamer.net or DM me at cat.bailey or send me a tweet at the underscore catbot. Uh, so, yeah, I think I already mentioned that you're at Nadia Oxford. Mm-hmm. Nadia, you can find Twitter at usgamer. And, of course, check out Nadia's podcast, or not podcast, a uh, blog, Tiny Girl, Tiny Games. Uh, Nadia, have anything to promote? Uh, by the time this goes up, I should have a piece about Pokemon up. Uh, but otherwise, I'm d- doing mostly guides since uh, hmm. that's my jam for now. But uh, yeah. I look forward to reading your guides. Um, I have been writing uh, some things. I already mentioned my Pokemon journal. Mm-hmm. And I also wrote a bit of an analysis, kind of why I think the NES Classic was always going to be hit, which I kind of alluded to earlier. So go check that out on the site. 
Uh, so uh, I uh, Final Fantasy 15, Nadia. Yay! It's coming out. Yep, we can find out for ourselves whether uh, it deserves Conan's ridicule. <laughs> Spoiler, probably not. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, it's been an, it's been a wild ride, and feels a little unreal that this game might actually be coming out soon. Yeah, that and Last Guardian. We are in the alternate timeline here. I'm reviewing it, and it looks like I'm going to be playing it through Thanksgiving. So <laughs> that will be fun. Well, it's either that but... or talk to family. Yes. Uh, so I don't think we'll be talking about it next week, but we will be talking about it real soon. So look forward to that. In the meantime, uh, we'll see what we come up with next week. Mm-hmm. So thanks for listening as always. I really appreciate it. Yay. Thanks for joining us in our journey through RPGs. I've been Cat Bailey and to Nadia. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time and happy adventuring. Bye.